millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Now, uh, some months ago, probably at the start of the year, it probably was, um, I began to talk about the use of gas during the First World War. And um, tonight I want to kind of continue with that um, and explore further um, the, uh, the use of gas, really, in the last phases of the war during the Hundred Days campaign um, in uh, 1918, the uh, period from um, uh, August to uh, November, that where the uh, the war is finally brought to uh, an end, the it was the French who first used gas, but in the the mid phase of the war, it was Germany who used it most regularly and most effectively. However, by 1918, it became um, a, a significant part of the uh, Allied powers' road to victory. And today, um, as I have done before, I'm looking at David Stevenson's brilliant book With Our, with Our Backs to the Wall, um, which is about the uh, Ludendorff Spring Offensive and the Hundred Days Campaign, which finally ended the war. He writes, Although Britain and France did not mass-produce the relevant chemicals before the war, the British raised their chlorine production tenfold by 1918. With phosgene, uh, the French did even better. The British never had enough of the latter, but the French supplied it to them. And the British expeditionary force used the less, if, the less effective chloropicrin uh, for its lethal agents. By 1918, for the first time, it had gas shells in the quantities and varieties that it needed, the weather and the tactical situation now becoming the main obstacles to using them. Although the Allies never discharged mustard gas with such abandon as their enemies, the Germans had expected retaliation less quickly, and by this stage in the war, they were hard-pressed to replace contaminated boots and clothing. Moreover, their gas mask, which since 1915 they had modified only marginally, was reaching its limits because of the size restrictions on the removable filter in the mouthpiece, 
and because Germany had run out of the rubber originally used for the valves and fabric and had to substitute leather. So the British realised that the masks would become useless if they were uh, forced to be um, overused um, and particularly if they had to be worn for more than a couple of hours. By 1918, um, the Allies could keep lethal concentrations of gas, which of course would blow away, so you have to keep replenishing it with further shells. Um, they had, were able to keep lethal concentrations of gas on the battlefield for longer. For example, at Hamel on the 4th of July, the uh, British Expeditionary Forces artillery fired 25,000 gas shells in the morning. Um, these silenced German batteries and created a barrack barrier uh, against the counterattack. So, uh, kind of grotesque though this was, this use of uh, chemical weapons on, on, on the battlefield, um, what the British were doing were learning, or what they had done was learn many of the, the hard lessons from the, uh, the, the, the bloody years, of, the bloody year particularly of 1916 uh, and the Somme, uh, and they used targeted attacks on uh, artillery, on German artillery, uh, in this case using gas in order to kill the artillery crews um, and in order to create a barrier that German uh, infantry couldn't pass through. Um, so the, um, the, the, the British Special Brigades were then um, able, um, using, once again, using um, artillery um, and um, gas mortars to attack German guns on the uh, adjoining heights. Um, the French used gas shells before their 18th of July counterattack uh, at Villiers-Cotterêts. Um, and on the 8th of August, both the British and French forces used them at the Battle of Amiens. So the Battle of Amiens, described as the, the Black Day of the German army, uh, the day um, in which um, the uh, resistance, really, of the German army crumbled. And after that point, um, the likes of uh, Ludendorff were able to say with perfect candour to the Kaiser, you know, the, the war is over. Um, poison gas plays a significant role um, at, at Amiens. Gas was employed mainly against German batteries um, on the uh, at, at Amiens, um, and it managed to achieve what high explosives couldn't have achieved, um, where it where they the the, the gas managed to um, destroy or, or kill um, German uh, artillery uh, artillery crews, um, where we where they, the guns had been sort of sheltering out of sight. Um, David Stevenson writes, The massive British bombardment of the Hindenburg Line also used gas shells, including mustard gas, which it was hoped would clear um, before the infantry advance. But towards the end, the Allies used gas less to spare French civilians, and because progress was too rapid to set up projectors. Gas shells formed a lower proportion of their munitions expenditure than that of Germany's, and although valuable at key moments, they were not essential to them. On other fronts, for example, Macedonia, where on the 15th of September bombardment used French gas shells, the same applied. 
So, of course, by this point, um, from uh, April 1917 onwards, uh, America uh, had entered the war, and the American Expeditionary Force had only really begun to accumulate in large numbers by the beginnings of uh, 1918, and was only ready to, really to, to campaign in the summer of 1918. Um, David Stevenson writes, had the fighting continued into 1919, matters would have been different. The Americans treated gas warfare extremely seriously. They created the chemical warfare section of the uh, American Expeditionary Force, with similar functions to the British Special Brigades, and manufactured gas in a brand new uh, plant at Edgewood near Baltimore, where they built extra which they built extraordinarily quickly. The, the decision was taken in December 1917, and it entered production the following summer. The USA manufactured as much phosgene as Britain and twice as much mustard gas, which was uh, which the uh, American Expeditionary Force first used in the first of November uh, on the first of November at Meuse Argonne. Mustard gas produced by the first of May nineteen nineteen was pro uh, projected to be two hundred tons a day in the US, a hundred in Britain, eighty in France, whereas the German daily tonnage averaged fourteen. So, once again, and I've talked a lot about um, war production in the Second World War and how when you look at the stats, um, Nazi Germany was uh, hopelessly outproduced by the Allies. And here is uh, more evidence um, that war production and war material, and in this case poison gas, was something that the, the, the Germans had no way of competing with and keeping up with industrially um, uh, against a, a coalition of, of the three powers. So when David Stevenson here talks about how uh, seriously America took um, uh, poison gas, phosgene and mustard gas, what is meant really is in the, uh, the level of mass production and the uh, extent to which they were willing to industrially um, produce the substances in order to to win the war. There were lots of enthusiasts for mass destruction um, of the mass destruction of surviving Germans. For example, um, uh, Haig's uh, headquarters regularly demanded um, more gas than the Ministry of Munitions could supply. Winston Churchill, um, had, as munitions minister, tried to maximise the output and told a conference on the 19th of March that he hoped to treble or quadruple production. He said, If you could blot out 30 miles of the enemy's front in the middle of a great battle, might it not be a staggering blow to them? Because of the, the rapidity of the 100 days offensive and the fluidity uh, of the uh, Allied attacks, and the crumbling of German resistance, this kind of mass uh, destruction through poison gas um, was not necessary, ultimately. However, in a counterfactual way, it's, it's interesting to consider what might have happened in terms of gas usage if the German resistance had been uh, more capable than, than it was. If, for example... Um, the Germans had managed to hold, say, the Hindenburg Line or the Antwerp-Meuse Line 
um, then there would have been um, probably a great temptation to use gas on a scale not, for, not seen in the war uh, before. Given the fact that gas was a weapon that was used by all sides um, and used, as I said previously, first by the French, uh, predominantly by the Germans, and then in the final phase of the war, excessively and extensively uh, by the British and the French. The way in which um, gas usage uh, and gas trauma um, has been remembered, um, particularly in Great Britain, after the First World War, uh, it is interesting. Um, one of the uh, great um, pieces of First World War art is a picture gassed by John Singer Sargent, which shows a line of soldiers um, uh, holding one another's shoulders, um, many blindfolded, uh, unable to see, and stumbling through um, what a, a to a, um, a casualty clearing station. And uh, in in the background, you see uh, signs of soldiers, um, so, some kind of in, relaxing, some. Uh, playing sports uh, and almost just slightly oblivious to this uh, kind of train of sorrow uh, walking through their their when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And gas itself was, was something that was deeply terrifying to, to the men. Um, on on all sides, though of course it wasn't by any stretch uh, the biggest killer. Uh, artillery was, but gas could induce panic, and its its main um, uh, its main purpose was to induce panic and break morale and, and cause terror. Seeing um, soldiers invalided out of the war through gas poisoning. Um, you know, being um, repatriated to Britain, disembarking at stations, was uh, shocking and traumatizing for uh, many for the civilian population. Though, then again, um, there was a, a generation of 
disabled former soldiers, amputees and people who had uh, lost limbs uh, and other body parts through um, the uh, the use of, uh, of artillery and, and, and gunfire. But for some reason, gas itself um, manages to hold a very, very powerful place in the civilian psyche. Uh, in part, that's because it is interpreted uh, as a result of Allied wartime propaganda and the fact that Germany loses and has to accept the punishment for the war. It is seen as an almost exclusively German crime, um, that here is this dreadful thing that the barbaric enemy did to our brave soldiers. How low can, it, can they go? Um, and also, in the interwar years, gas has another kind of uh, connotation and another, another fear. Um, the fact that gas um, is, is, is believed that gas will be used against civilian populations if an air war starts uh, against Great Britain. And it's in the 1930s, really, that um, part of the history of the First World War, as it pertains to gas, becomes um, re-examined uh, and in some ways... Um, Re, uh, kind of, kind of like a re-traumatization uh, occurs. The importance of um, protecting uh, British uh, cities against the possibility of a gas attack leads in 1939 to the mass issuing of of gas masks, and you can imagine these um, objects coming to homes all the way across the country. And former soldiers, now fathers or perhaps even approaching being grandfathers, uh, mentioning how they had had to wear them during the war and what a gas attack was actually like. Um, the transition in the 1930s to thinking about war as something that happens far away to thinking about war as something that can potentially happen uh, over the you know in the skies over the British Isles, or perhaps even with a, a seaborne or an airborne invasion, is um, a, a really kind of profound psychological shift. And of course, throughout the interwar years, gas was used um, uh, again and again. Um, the British um, had less to say domestically about, for example, the way in which gas was used um, in uh, the, the Middle East, um, as Churchill put it, to uh, teach a lesson to troublesome tribes. Um, and in the uh, movie theatres, in sort of Pathé newsreels, uh, before uh, feature presentations, the um, horrors of gas use in Abyssinia uh, in Manchuria uh, and later uh, over the rest of China and the way in which um, air wars were uh, discussed uh, and ex uh, and presented um, as, uh, for example, camp uh, aerial campaigns um, against uh, civilian targets in Spain, in Nanjing uh, and uh, again in uh, Abyssinia. Uh, presents to the British public 
uh, this nightmarish vision of, of the future. Now, ultimately, gas isn't used during the uh, the Blitz, just but just high explosives uh, uh, and incendiary bombs. Uh, but um, the the fact that um, gas in itself on the Western Front was nowhere near as deadly as artillery, and the fact that um, uh, incendiary bombs and uh, and, and high explosive uh, bombs were serious enough, were caused enough uh, damage and, and, and destruction, never seemed to uh, dispel the power uh, that gas had. Um, gas was one of the weapons that was uh, outlawed uh, under the Geneva Conventions. In 1925, the uh, protocol for the prohibition of the use in war of asphyxiating poisonous or other gases and bacteriological methods of warfare uh, was agreed upon by the League of Nations. And the uh, outlawing and the criminalising of uh, gas usage, which had no effect whatsoever uh, on those powers which sought to use it, um, particularly uh, Italy ten years later, uh, created a, a sort of a curious kind of discourse around the, uh, the the means to wage mass warfare, um, dividing um, weapons into uh, good and bad, into some, in some way kind of uh, honourable and dishonourable uh, means of, of of warfare. The morality of uh, not banning artillery uh, or, or machine gun usage uh, at the same time is fairly flawed, but it is evident that the purposes of the Geneva Convention were never to create um, a, a new morality of warfare, but rather to kind of manage the business of warfare uh, more effectively and to leave certain options um, uh, off the table. Um, because the League of Nations had no means of enforcing anything that it uh, announced, and certainly it had nothing more than um, the moral opprobrium of the, the, the rest of international civil society, there was no real threat to anybody choosing to use chemical weapons. Um, as Georges Clemenceau famously said, I like the League of Nations, but I don't believe in the League of Nations, knowing that it had no uh, uh, no resort to force and no military authority. And throughout the 20th century, chemical weapons have been used uh, again and again, as have biological weapons. Um, and there, you know, one only needs to look at, say, for example, uh, the use of uh, gas against the Kurds uh, by Saddam Hussein in the 1980s uh, in, in Iraq uh, to, to see this. Um, of course, the, the, the pretext for the invasion of Iraq in 2003 was that the, the dreadful dictator Saddam Hussein supposedly had weapons of mass destruction, which were, of course, destroyed in uh, Operation Desert Fox in uh, 1998 by um, air raids o o over Iraq. Um, but that notwithstanding, the, there is a long kind of 
uh, chain of uh, moral distinctions and kind of in, um, intellectual and cultural um, processes from um, the First World War throughout the rest of the 20th century uh, as this uh, form of warfare uh, seems to be uh, kind of beyond the pale, uh, beyond even the supposedly civilised uh, morality of war. And that this kind of creates an emotional subtext in the post-9-11 era for the justification of the um, invasion of, of Iraq. It's worth pointing out that whilst the Allied powers didn't use chemical weapons during the war, they certainly had them. Um, there was a famous incident in uh, Italy in 1943 when um, uh, chemical weapons, mustard gas, leaked from um, uh, containers on, on uh, American ships which were uh, going to be used uh, in, um, if basically um, uh, all other options were, were exhausted. Uh, this had to be covered up uh, very, very quickly to prevent it from becoming an Axis powers uh, propaganda coup. So there was always the option of, of using these um, dreaded and, and, and illegal weapons. Um, uh, even though they were um, seen to be kind of the uh, the tool of barbarism and the uh, the, the the weapon that uh, only the, only the bad guys uh, would, would resort to, um, which of course once again raises interesting moral questions about the use of nuclear weapons uh, at the end of the the Second World War. And of course, I suppose the, the ultimate point is is that uh, trying to apply um, this sort of morality to warfare uh, almost always leads to some, some degree of, of, of absurdity um, and the idea that there are nice weapons and not nice weapons is is one which kind of is for the birds rather um but the 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 point is less about what kind of moral sense one can make of the use of gas during the war uh, and the the really interesting thing is the the cultural and social impact of this weapon uh that lasted long long after the end of the conflict in which it was actually used in. Um, okay, so I've rambled on enough about gas. We're on to looking at artillery next time. So thanks very much, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks, all the best, bye-bye. And do remember to come over to our Explaining History Facebook group. Love to see you there. And uh, check out our Patreon, because we rely on the generosity of our patrons here. Thanks very much, all the best, bye-bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.